What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast, episode 61. Today, I'm joined by special guest Bree Malarkey of Bree's Botanicals down in Oregon. How are you doing today, Bree? I'm great. It's a beautiful day, and I'm happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, to get this started, we usually talk about people's kind of history um, an origin story around the plant and the plant being cannabis. You obviously deal with a couple of different plants that we'll get into a little bit later, but I'm just curious kind of your history around the cannabis plant. Wow. Around the cannabis plant specifically. Well, um, you know, my husband was growing it for himself and for, um, my mother who has restless leg syndrome and another woman who had cannabis, uh, back in the medical days. And, it was just amazing the relief that each of them had from different plants. And back then, you know, there wasn't a lot of testing. So I was just really excited to learn about it. And, you know, why did this one work for one person and not the other? And really kind of just wanted to match modern science and technology and diving into the plant, the phyto constituents of the plant with wives tale and lore i mean this plant's been used for 2000 years and everybody knows it's great so why did we demonize it and what can we learn about it today so that's kind of how i fell in love with the plant that's awesome and, and a conversation that has continually came up um not even a question but a topic that's continually came up on some of these last couple of ep uh, episodes is just the awe of this plant and how it affects everybody so differently and i think when you look at traditional pharmaceuticals or any chemical or, or plants or, or even herbs, you know, different things interact with people in different ways and provide different effects. And I think that's such something that's so um, beautiful about this plant. How important is, I don't necessarily want to call experimentation, but do you feel like for the average consumer or patient, like trying and really finding what works for them? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's one plant and we're one human, but no, every body is different. There, every aspect of who we are and our background and same thing with the plant, you know, whether it's marijuana or it's hemp or it has a lot of terpenes or it has a lot of this cannabinoid or it has a lot more of um, these other plant waxes and lipids, you know, it's unique and different. And so I think we as humans always want to narrow it down. What is exactly the aspect of this plant and then my body and then mix and match it. And that's kind of the allopathic way right here in Western medicine as we try to treat the symptoms or we try to narrow it down to one single molecule. And that's what makes something a pharmaceutical. Uh, it's, we've used plants for a long time to try to find the derivative of a specific plant and then how can we mass produce that and manage the dosage of that one chemical um, for me as a whole plant herbalist i really believe in whole plant herbalism and really using traditional um, extraction methods to kind of strip everything we can from the plant and um, bottle all that herbal goodness for people because it works throughout our whole modality I think uh, this might deviate from your question a little bit, but when you like narrow something down to a single molecule, then maybe now you need this pharmaceutical to address this side effect. And now you need this mm. pharmaceutical for that side effect what, versus something working on your whole body. So yeah, every human's different. So starting low, starting with a small amount, being in a safe place, kind of monitoring yourself and your body's reaction is really key for finding that balance for what you need in your body. 
Absolutely. And and you even at your guys' store stores, uh Breeze Botanicals, you said I can't remember the term that you you use them, but they're not bud tenders. What do you classify the, those employees as? Well, at our stores, we operate them as herbal apothecaries, and we're a bioregional apothecary. So we only carry medicinal herbs and plants that can be cultivated or wildcrafted here in Southern Oregon. So we call it 100-mile healing. So we've got things like chamomile and lemon balm and ashwagandha. And so our associates, I kind of joke, they're leaf root bud tenders. And we embrace cannabis, and obviously we're looking for the flowers um, and the buds, um, but maybe with, um, you know, white willow bark, or we're looking for um, lemon balm leaves or the roots of marshmallow. So we've got lots of different medicinal herbs that we're offering to the public. Obviously, cannabis is the power plant. It is the superstar in the plant kingdom, and, and that's why I wanted to have it be a part of our apothecary. And so how do you go about educating your staff to just be aware? Because obviously you guys, you, you guys delve in a couple different plants and, and I'm sure there's just a lot of different variables there. How, how does your staff kind of stay up and acclimated on all the different things that you guys offer? Sure. That's a great question. That's been a challenge over the years because everybody gravitates to plant medicine for different reasons. Um, you know, I'm a compounding herbalist. I love uh, cultivating herbs and plants and then making medicine out of them, but I'm not a clinical herbalist. So for the first uh, few years we were open, we had a clinical herbalist on staff at each store. And then we would try to um, hire people that were um, herbal medicine students or people that were interested in it. And, you know, we had some people that really specialized in cannabis. They love cannabis, they're drawn to the plant, and then they want to deep dive and learn about the other plants. So um, the clinical herbalists and I over the years have developed training programs and content to um, onboard people. Uh, you know, we hire for great, amazing people, good work ethic, compassionate uh, folks that want to really help people on their journey with plant medicine. And we can develop the training program to support them, but we're really just the guide in helping people understand their own bodies and to understand the variety of medicinal herbs from Southern Oregon. Um, and, and then we can uh, recommend and help them find other resources in the community if they need a naturopath or a clinical herbalist outside of our stores to really help them go on a deep dive for their own healing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's it just at a traditional cannabis shop, there's so many new products and brands and, you know, yeah. different product SKUs coming on the market, you know, different ways of d deriving cannabis oils, you know, if we, we've seen from, you know, uh, shatter to dissolute to resin to rosin. I mean, it's constantly changing, I'm sure in your world, it's, it's a lot. Um, but it, it, but I think something that's true, that remains true in cannabis, and I'm sure bleeds over to everything you guys do with the apothecary is like, people are passionate about this. Like cannabis is, is, is something that a lot of people are passionate about. And there's a big community around that. Is that something that you also see outside of that plant towards these other herbs as well? Yeah, you know, in the beginning, it was a little shocking to me um, as an herbalist, somebody who loves plant medicine. I mean, I was deep diving into other plants um, while my husband was really doing the cannabis thing and I kind of melded it together. And it's been um, because of prohibition, I think herbalists and plant medicine folks have kind of said, no, not that plant. You know, don't judge me. I'm not cannabis. I'm not marijuana, right? I'm, I'm fighting for the rights of, um, you know, <laughs> a regular plant to be um, accepted. And so now, so it was amazing to me in the beginning, how many people in the herbal space 
had separated themselves for many years from marijuana or cannabis, right? And um, the people in the cannabis space, I think for a long time have embraced plant medicine and loved the idea of blending herbs and plants. And oh yeah, you know, you're not just a pot shop. You're, you are actually, you know, having all these other companion plants and we understand biodiversity. I think a lot of, especially the old school growers here in Southern Oregon live harmoniously off the land and you know, regenerative agriculture is just something they did. It wasn't a buzzword or um, living soil or no-till. It was a lifestyle for many folks here in Southern Oregon. So um, I wouldn't say we experienced discrimination in melding the two worlds of kind of cannabis culture and herbalism, plant medicine. It was more um, just kind of showing people that they could live together. And, it, you know, cannabis doesn't have to be this big bad thing anymore. We're, we're post-prohibition here in Oregon. We can show that this beautiful power plant is a medicinal herb and does need to be on the shelf with other medicinal herbs. And guess what? They're all happy together. And herbal compounding with cannabis and bringing herbs together to support each other along with cannabis, it's beyond just terpenes. You know, it's beyond just the aspects of the plant, but what are the other plants that can support it? And um, yeah, it's been beautiful to watch cultures change and public uh, acceptance around the plant over the last seven years that we've been doing this. And so you guys are the first licensed recreational dispensary in the state of Oregon or were, you know, I mean, you are, I guess, still hold that title. Yeah, you know, my journey started in 2014 with medical um, Oregon medical marijuana patients opening the apothecary and then embracing cannabis for medical patients. We were the very first to get a moratorium lifted here in Southern Oregon. Um, helped write the ordinance for the city of Gold Hill, the first city that kind of took a risk on our kind, which I didn't know I was a kind until literally landlords would hang up the phone and say with it, it would never rent to my kind. I'm like, what is my kind? I guess, you know, all this vision of what cannabis meant. Um, so we were the first to get a moratorium lifted and then quickly realized in the first summer or two that I had to turn away a lot of people. There was a lot of regular citizens that didn't have medical cards that wanted to come in. They wanted safe access. Um, and I had to turn them away. So I was really quick to want to be a part of being able to serve all adults who were making a choice about their body and not have to turn anybody away. Um, and back in the early days of the medical program, it could take up to 90 days before a patient mm. could get approved to get a medical marijuana card. People were diagnosed with cancer and had to wait. Um, you know, people were in extreme pain and they had to wait for bureaucracy. They couldn't just come in. And so, yeah, getting a recreational license to me was about being able to serve all adults. That's no, that's that's awesome. And I I acclimate my personal journey. I, I never even though I use cannabis for medicinal purposes, I never got a medical card because I was just. I don't know the stigma. I was worried about being in a database or something. I, I don't know, you know, back, back in the day, but obviously Absolutely. I had no, yeah. no issue getting access to cannabis, but I think that's such an amazing thing. And, and on that note, you know, the stigma, and I think you alluded to it there a little bit as well, the stigma of cannabis and, and what prohibition brought about has been so crippling to just getting this industry started, even though there's this excitement. How have you seen that stigma change from the medical to shift to getting your rec license to now here we are, you know, quite a bit, not quite a bit, but a little bit down the field into adult use cannabis? No, great question. You know, in the beginning, when I was presenting my business plan to the community and sharing with people at city council meetings and trying to get a landlord to take a chance on us, it was, 
you know, reefer madness is in everybody's mind after how many years of brainwashing of being told that this plant is bad and evil and only bad guys do it because of prohibition, right? I mean, people that are lawbreakers and maybe there's crime around it and that's what the news is sensationalizing. So when that's people's mantra, it I really took it as my job to prove that this plant isn't bad. <laughs> plant is beautiful and we can operate an upstanding business in the community and i can show you that we can support the economic viability of the rogue valley we can create living wage jobs we can be a safe place for people to walk in and really experience the plant and not feel bad or dirty because of all the stuff they've been told about the plant and it never was about the plant it was about the construct that we here in the united states have made around the plant right and um so now that we've been operating for a few years um you know people are coming in and saying you know i'm really sorry that i stood up against you at city hall or i'm really sorry mm -hmm. that i shook my fist at you and said that you were only gonna bring drugged driving to town and that all our kids would be ruined and that real estate values would plummet because none of that has happened. And, you know, I realized that humans are afraid of change and it's my job to really show that it doesn't have to be bad. And so it's been really beautiful to watch. And, you know, as the pillars of prohibition fall across this country and other states get on board, you know, I can have a little pride that, you know, maybe tourists have come to our stores and realized it's not the end of the world or local citizens have called their family members and kind of this ripple effect out there that um, it's just a business. Mm. And if you do it ethically, responsibly and integrate it with your community um, and you really true about, you know, truly care about consumer health and wellness, um, then it's all okay. And so, yeah, it's been the paradigm has shifted in public acceptance because I think people are realizing it's not fear based. It doesn't have to be bad. Are there bad apples in any industry? Yes. Um, but I don't think cannabis has any more than anybody else. That's that's a great way of putting it. I think uh, you're absolutely right. The stigma and what people have been told is, you know, have only been shown the negative things on cannabis. And I was just on another episode the other day. A lot of the the non-negative things were very comedic and almost, you know, mocked and made fun of cannabis. Yeah. And so in a way, although, you know, cannabis and comedy and laugh and the giggle is closely associated, it's like the only representation that the majority of the public had for so long is this really negative thing or this like mockery, not taking yourself seriously. You know, we didn't really have a, a picture uh, in the mainstream of what cannabis looked like of just, an, you know, an average normal user. Um, you know, some of the things of being first, you know, strategically for business are great. You know, being a first mover can be great, but it can also be challenging. So what are some of the obstacles that you faced in being, you know, the first licensed uh, store in your state? And just and I mean, I'm sure there's been a quite a bit of challenges of being, uh, you know, being a, a, t a test dummy for certain things, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean. You, you know, I had my vision of what I wanted to open for my store with no others open in the state. Right. So like, you know, I'm I'm interpreting the rules, coming up with a business plan. Kind of what do I want to do as an herbalist? I want to run these apothecaries. I want to focus on local. And, uh, you know, like the term bud tender was coined in the industry. I, I didn't coin that. I never saw my employees as or my associates as bud tenders um, tipping is different you know in an, an herbal shop that's just what we do we consult and we help and we help guide people we're herbalists we're healers 
Um, so tipping is really more of a bartender or service industry type of thing, uh, which was different than you know where I was coming from. But consumers started like, where's your tip jar? Because other dispensaries, other retailers, that was the culture that was starting to form around um, dispensaries. And um, I think also staying true to our mission of supporting um, small family farms and craft artisan um, farmers and producers is been, has been challenging because you know, bigger brands are established in the state now and bigger brands were coming into Oregon. And, and my mission and vision was to be a place that cared about health and wellness. I'm going to be a gatekeeper. We're going to make sure people are cultivating organically, which I still do. But we do need to carry some of the bigger brands because consumers want that. So being a retailer that carries, um, you know, more traditional or lower cost products because those companies can scale and they can offer products that are less you know, a cheaper cost, but also still having space in our store for the craft and artisan products, um, the people that care about quality ingredients. I mean, not that the bigger brands don't, but that are really putting their heart and soul into it. Uh, and being a place that really gives those people shelf space. And if my mission was to support small family farms, I also need to buy low in order to keep prices low for consumers that are using it mostly for medicinal purposes. So that balance between supporting farmers and giving them enough money that they can live uh, where, you know, raw materials are a commodity price and ultimately farmers get the short end of the stick mm. in any industry, right? The base that everything is built upon. And uh, so keeping it real for farmers, supporting farmers, providing living wages and health benefits to our employees, but also keeping medicine, herbal medicine approachable for consumers, it's a challenging balance. So that's been kind of the biggest challenge for me is staying true to my original mission and having a diverse product line for consumers that want lower price points, higher. Some people want quality. Some people are okay with artificial food coloring and white sugar in their gummies. Some people want the vegan alternative. So kind of trying to balance all of that. Absolutely. And, you know, something we're very passionate about over at Respect My Region is um, giving consumers a choice, but also giving consumers that education and transparency to know, you know, a lot of people don't care what they put in their body. You know, it's point and proof of what they eat or what they drink yeah. on a daily basis, yeah. but at least arming them with the information and knowledge to educate themselves if they so choose. Um, and I love how you put, you know, it is definitely important to show love to the craft, the people who are really able to put their heart and soul in this, in these products, but also, you know, price drives a lot of, you know, drives volume in this, in this market as a consumer package good and larger scale productions or manufacturers are clearly able to get their supply chain and their costs down. Um, when it comes to brands that people come into the store, um, what are some of the brand names that people come in or cultivators that people ask for kind of by name? They might not necessarily be the best. It's not near here, near, near here or there to say they're the best or they're not. But what are some of those brands that are grabbing some consumer recognition in your area? Well, it's been great to see that some of them are uh, Oregon brands that were born in here and um, aren't multiple state operators yet. Like Oregon makes some mm -hmm. amazing dabs and um, grows some great indoor flower. Uh, Dr. Jolly's uh, great price point. Both those companies are out of Bend, Oregon. Uh, some local farms that we really like to support and give shelf space to 54 Green Acres, uh, Ananda Farms. Um, 
Ohm Extracts, uh, those, you know, they've been there since the beginning, a family business as well, really cares about plant medicine and making uh, a great product. But people come in and ask for big edible companies. Uh, Wild uh, Lunchbox is now leaving Oregon, but that's a brand that a lot of people have um, asked for over the years. And it's just been interesting to see, you know, as people come in, maybe they're mostly in the Portland area and there's some brands up there, maybe that aren't down here. And uh, we get a lot of regulars and then people passing through. So a lot of tourists. And I think they're just excited, whatever we have on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. There's def there's definitely that aspect. It's, it's been amazing to watch what Wild's done, you know, out of Oregon. I think you guys get slept on, you know, California's obviously sets the tone for the culture and they do branding and celebrity at a whole nother level than yeah. anyone else. But if you look at a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some of these major uh, movers in terms of volume, you know, you got Wild, you know, Select started up there in Oregon, you know, Buddy's brand is now scaled from from Oregon down the coast. Um, I think there's a couple other ones, but it's, it's impressive to see some of these companies that start out as, you know, local or smaller Oregon companies really boom across the country. Um, you know, something that's very unique, I think, about about the Pacific Northwest in general is this craft. I don't know. We have like this craft mindset. We have craft consumers. We have a lot of craft goods. Do you do you think consumers like on that point of consumers understanding, you know, this might cost a little bit more just because it's, you know, maybe hand watered, hand trimmed, right? It's, it's more hands-on care, smaller craft grow. Do, do you think a lot of consumers care if it's a craft good or versus a commercial good? Or do you think that's kind of a smaller consumer demographic? I think in our stores for sure, because we gravitate towards that. Our stores operate like a, a wine store, you know, with artists and music and an um, ambiance that's very, um, earthy. And I think people really appreciate that. And it's education, right? If people think that the highest THC is the only level of quality that they know, like, cause you know, a gummy is just a gummy, right? And, uh, so the only thing that's going to make it different is THC, but then we have to educate them. Well, you know, not all peanut butter is exactly the same. You've got Jiffy and you've got Adams, right? So what, what are you wanting for your body? And it's the same thing with gummies. Do you want these kind of ingredients for that? You know, the THC level is only one portion of it. Do you want whole plant, full extract, or do you want an isolate or a distillate? And let's talk about that and, and educate you into um, the different extraction methods or, or what are in the plant. You know, a customer will come in and say, that thousand milligram tincture from Sun God Medicinals was amazing and uh, it was wonderful for me, but you guys were out one day. So we bought this other one and it did nothing for me, but they both had a thousand milligrams. Why? And it's like, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> and um, so I think it's kind of just education. I think you're right though. In the Pacific Northwest, we have micro creameries, micro distilleries, micro breweries. We tend to vote with our dollars and we care about going to the farmer's market and knowing where we're buying our foods from. And maybe not everybody, but there is a majority of folks here that kind of care about maybe not big corporate companies and small mom and pops and how can we support that. And I think that transcends into the cannabis space as well. Yeah. At least, you know, our stores are a safe haven for people like that. So perhaps we see a lot more of those folks. Um, but I'd like to think we could serve all people and that, you know, everybody cares about maybe having a store that they trust as a gatekeeper, that we're not buying the cheapest weed on the market, that we have standards for our store in order to be in our store. Um, we've been testing for all the cannabinoids and terpenes, and we don't allow any residual solvents. 
you know, so we go above and beyond the state testing standards and curating our store with products for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's obviously a place for every product and every consumer in this space. Um, you know, as a personal consumer, I, I love, you know, very quality craft. I care about what goes into it, but I'm also a nerd. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily the, uh, the mass consumer in this space. Um, how, what are some ways that you guys have laid out your store, whether it's labeling products or showcasing products to help the consumer kind of guide them along the education path? Cause there's obviously a lot to take in on this being this industry is being so new and so many people's experience and education to this is so new outside of the stigma we were talking about earlier is what they've been force fed most of their life. So how do you guys lay out the store, the consumer or patient process to just kind of help educate them and guide them along in their, in their quest? Yeah, a great question. You know, when I first got into herbalism and plant medicine, it was really overwhelming. There are so many different options and trying to memorize. And, it, you know, I'd go into um, a health and wellness store and it's just label after label after label and, you know, 20 different fish oil pills or whatever. And, you know, how do I know which ones have filler and this? So in opening the stores, I really wanted to demystify herbs a little bit, make it a little easier for consumers to shop. Uh, we think based on why we walked in the door, oh, I need help with sleep, or my uh, grandmother has um, nerve pain, and or, oh, I'm having spasms, I have a seizure disorder. So I'm thinking of what is the symptom I want to fix for. And so people come in and they say, I am here for this, um, anxiety and stress, mental health, right? So we kind of identified the six main reasons people come to an herbalist, and we color-coded all the products in the store yeah. to help guide people. So some products may have three or four um, indicators on it. So a lot of nervines are um, medicinal herbs that really nourish the central nervous system. You might target it for anxiety and stress, but it has the side effect of being a muscle relaxant, right? Or some other things. So it's a dual purpose and they're all usually very positive side effects. So in addition to less anxiety and stress, I'm gonna have um, less muscle spasms and tension. So medicinal herbs and, and whole plant herbalism is, like I said, about nourishing your whole body and providing support to multiple body systems. So your primary reason for coming in might be anxiety and stress, um, but guess what? You might have some other relief as well. So with cannabis, uh, we also do that. So that's why, if you remember, I really wanted to kind of meld modern science with lore. So we did, we do all this testing um, that's just you know beyond the state testing are uh, we have a panel of employees that have the really hard job of testing all of our products before we put them on the shelf mm. so in addition to their feedback and all the test results we can understand a little bit more of which strain we would guide people with or what product for what symptoms or uh, reasons the consumer came in the door so yeah color coding everything based on our testers and analyzing the test results so that people can maybe have a better chance of finding the right product for them. Yeah, I, I love that because that's it's a difficult thing, you know, just back to that, the education in this space, it's so diff it's so difficult. The average consumer, I mean, you touched on it earlier, like THC percentage, the average consumer buys off of THC percentage, which, you know, you talk to anyone who's a really a nerd in this space, they don't look, you know, that's like one of the last categories they look at when, when buying something. and. And it's something yeah. that I feel like every store and every person is like so passionate about, but it's still communicating that to the consumer is difficult. And it's not consumers are, you know, I come and hear people, people say oh, consumers are dumb. It's not that they're dumb. It's just 
the, there is no education around this, you know, previous, uh, previous to the last few years, there is no education. And really the only people that are really diving in are within the industry. So it's very unique to hear that you guys have kind of set up your whole store and, and align these products in a way that just help connect things with the consumer that, I don't know, that simplify it and make it easier. Cause that's such a difficult thing in this space. Yeah, we just really see ourselves as their guide. You know, it's them walking in the door. You're right. Cannabis is a gateway drug and a gateway to better understanding your own body. Because when you make that choice to say, you know what, these 15 different pharmaceuticals have been toxic for me. I am making this choice to walk through this door and I want to learn about my body. And it's a gateway to better understanding yourself. And you quickly learn that maybe you need some yoga in your life. You need to lay off the white sugar. Maybe you need more water you know, and that there's all these other different medicinal herbs that can work together and support you. So one of my greatest joys is when somebody comes in thinking, I just need sleep and I need the stoniest in the couch indica, right? And they end up walking out the door with some valerian roots, some hops. They start learning about the different terpenes like myrosine and its ability to help you with absorption. Or maybe we start having a discussion about the root cause of why you're not sleeping. What is happening at work? What is happening during the day? Mm. What are some different herbs and plants that maybe can support you during the day so you can let your body relax at night and get that crucial cell rejuvenation? And so helping guide people to also not be afraid to talk to their healthcare practitioner about the use of medicinal herbs and not to be in a closet and to let their doctors know that they're interested in holistic and natural because there are drug herb interactions there are interactions that can happen and i think people you know now that the stigma of cannabis has diminished a little bit Oregon regulators need to get on the bandwagon and stop allowing employers to fire people for cannabis use. Mm. And then people don't have to be in the closet so much. And once that happens and pain management clinics allow certain amounts of opiates with cannabis, once those things happen, people can talk honestly with their doctors. Then I think people can really have true health and wellness. But we still have people that are afraid and don't feel comfortable coming out to either their employers or their community because they feel bad and dirty or they feel they'll be judged or they won't get the proper health care they need in traditional channels because they're embracing plant medicine. And that's really the big challenge we as citizens need to really um, focus on now as the next step in legalization here in Oregon. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just tragic when people can't talk to their doctor um, or other people about their interest in herbs and plants and cannabis. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, I've been a long time cannabis consumer and it, it took a time, you know, took a time for marking those forms. Yeah, I consume cannabis to finally yeah. be like, yeah, I consume this much cannabis and just and I'm not bad. Yeah, yeah. Saying it without feeling like guilty or shameful. Um, well, it sounds like I need to come visit the store with kind of my laundry list and my, and my issues and get get set right. So one of the things you, you, I, you know, that you touched on was terpenes. And so um, I was not privy to anything about terpenes until I started visiting a lot of, you know, facilities and really diving in at a higher level in this industry, interviewing people, learning more about the plant. Um, but obviously that cannabis unlocked my knowledge and understanding of terpenes and how that relates to everything. So how important are terpenes in the other herbs and plants you guys carry that aren't cannabis? How, what, what role do they play in those? 
Oh, that's a great question. I mean, we've known about essential oils and have done double blind peer reviewed studies on like linalool and lavender, right? We know that it can help with anxiety and stress relief. So we see linalool and cannabis, and then we can have an idea of how that can help us. So we understand clinically proven that walking in a pine forest, right, and being around the aroma of pine can also help with stress reduction. So mm. pining in cannabis um, or humulene and myrosine is kind of really being those relaxing aspects of, um, you know, hops and other plants and, you know, the old wives tale about eating a mango and allowing your body to absorb more nutrients. And so we've known about other botanicals and plants and how they activate the endocannabinoid system. Um, you know, even physical exercise, like getting a runner's high can act, you know, is activating your endocannabinoid system. And, um, you know, cannabis is just a lock and a key in our own body with the CB1 receptors, CB2 receptors. And it's just been really great for people to, in the medical community, understand more about the human body and how um, plants and medicine um, and even traditional traditional pharmaceuticals work, right? You know, not traditional, but more modern pharmaceuticals work in our, our bodies as well. So, yeah, the yeah I think... Terpenes are amazing, and I've been having fun learning about those over the last six, seven years, and really working with patients and consumers when they came in, when I would see test results, or what are the dominant um, either cannabinoids or other phytoconstituents that I'm seeing in the testing, and then working with patients. You know, um, the feedback's all anecdotal, was not a scientific FDA-approved study, uh, but it's enough for me. I've worked with enough people to really believe in um, what people are reporting, and not all things work in the same people. So mm. big bodies, little bodies, women versus men, um, African descent versus European descent. It, you know, all the different genetic markers of what makes up our bodies are going to change, you know, kind of how we're absorbing um, whatever we're putting in our body or being affected by COVID or not. Right. So I think there's so many different aspects of what our bodies let in and plants are just part of that. And how much has your education around terpenes kind of exploded with with cannabis? Like, again, because from someone you've been a little bit more into this probably longer than me of, in, ter in terms of the, the, the subject of terpenes. How much has cannabis and the legalization of cannabis kind of moved the needle forward on terpenes? Or do you feel like it was already kind of prominent? I'm just late to the game and understanding just because I'm a cannabis nerd. Well, I knew it was something I wanted to test. I worked with a lab um, in the early days that was just going to do basic um, THC, CBD, CBG testing. And we really worked to expand um, the panels. Uh, great partnership there with uh, uh, Jeremy Sackett, uh, one of the cannabis testing pioneers here in Oregon. And, you know, the terpene profiles. And then in my herbal compounding, bringing herbs together doing profiling of the different terpenoids and other cannabinoids um, like cumuline in hops sometimes will present itself as THCA and can be misread. So, you know, people understanding when you're testing a cannabis product that also has hops with it, how do we weave out the hops cumuline mm. so that we're really truly testing. And that's why you send something off to five different labs and you get five different test results. And that's been the challenging part is, um, you know, everybody kind of getting standardization and testing. Uh, I knew about essential oils. I knew that that was a part of it, but really kind of diving into 
how that makes something more bioavailable for a body or kind of opens up the receptors and kind of how it all interacts together. You know, you can have super high THC and feel like, oh, this did nothing for me and then have maybe a 16% THC, but really high in some essential oils. And it's like, wow, that just knocked me out. I don't understand. It's like, yes, I do understand. Let me tell you. (laughs) And, you know, I, I think people come in and they're experts in their own field and they're busy. They lead busy lives. They're Mm full-time parents. They're struggling to live just like me way back in the day when I was getting into plant medicine, I'd go into these stores and it's like, Oh my gosh, what, what do I buy? What do I get? And, you know, we're positioning our retail stores to be a place that not only is about cannabis, but all other medicinal herbs, but a place where our consumers don't have to know everything. We could just ask them some consultative questions and maybe help set them down a path to learning a little bit at a time as they go. Um, Because it's tough to know everything about why this works and why that doesn't work. And there's no one shoe fits all in herbalism or in cannabis for every single consumer, Mm. unfortunately. Yeah, no, there's a lot to it. And so one of the terms I want to revisit that I heard you, I think you said it once or twice earlier, is is wildcrafted. So I I have two-parter. One question is, if you can explain that term to me, because I'm unfamiliar, but then two is the importance of the Southern Oregon region, because it's obviously, it's been a long, long, it's it's not a secret that it's been a hot spot for cannabis. predating legalization. Northern California obviously gets a lot of the uh, folklore and, uh, you know, I don't know, they get they get a lot of the fame when you talk about growing cannabis. But I personally know Southern Oregon was putting out a lot of quality cannabis for a long time. So beyond just (laughs) cannabis, but the importance of Southern Oregon for just cultivation. And then also, if you could explain what wildcrafted means. Sure. Yeah, I'll I'll take cannabis first. Um, You know, we're up at the tip of the emerald or green triangle here. And you're right, there's a lot of notoriety in Humboldt and Mendocino counties. But here in Southern Oregon and Jackson and Josephine County, our Appalachian, if you will, or our region just grows cannabis really well. So, you know, you think about Cabernet from uh, the Bordeaux region of France versus the, you know, Cabernet from Napa, right? They're going to be distinct and different. So we grow cannabis really well here and low cost to produce um, sun grown aka outdoor can be beautiful you know back in the day when outdoor was synonymous with growing under trees hiding from helicopters yeah it wasn't great but once we could grow it out into the sun and be really open and cultivate it the way the plant needed to be cultivated it is an amazing product and it has so flavorful and beautiful and i, I think part of you know, at our stores, we carry 30 different strains. That's just it. That's all I need to have. And we do about 10 indoor and greenhouse and 20 sun grown. And that's because we do it well here. And I really want to give it its place and its space. Uh, Especially tourists will come through and be like, oh, I only do indoor. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to indoor that's great. But being able to grow something that was grown environmentally more sustainable with sun as its power source um, is is beautiful. And we've done some experience where we uh, experiments where we grew the same uh, strain of Blue Dream at five different grow sites in the valley and introduced them to different environmental factors like dry farmed or introduced a, introduced a bug attack on one. And it was fascinating to me how we got five different 
uh, test result profiles, not only in the cannabinoids that we're presenting, but the essential oils. So, you know, you can really cultivate something for specific aspects of the plant. Uh, and, and that's been really interesting to watch. So we do that well here. And um, as far as wildcrafting, so cultivating is I'm a farmer and I am growing rows of something or I'm purposely growing something to harvest it, right? Wildcrafting is going into the woods and finding something that's naturally growing and sustainably harvesting it for, you know, for whatever, whether you're a mushroom hunter and you're picking chanterelles or uh, morale mushrooms, you know, you don't want to take ever more than a third of the crop because you always want to leave two thirds for the natural environment, for the um, land to rejuvenate itself or for the plant or the fungus species to repopulate. So same thing with like Oregon grapefruit. It grows really well in our forests and we go out and, you know, you can harvest the Oregon grapefruit or uh, white willow bark or um, usnea, which is a lichen or other plants that maybe make more sense to harvest it sustainably um, via wildcrafting versus cultivating it. Okay, that's that's super interesting, and I appreciate you sharing the only take the one third. I've not got yeah. into mushroom hunting personally myself. <laughs> I'm an avid farmers market picker, um, but that's something Let I'm looking them to do get that. Into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking to get into them. it, but but I obviously want to you know pay respect to the environment of which I'm harvesting from. So that is, I you know I I just learned something right there. Um, so I know you guys obviously use the the retail fronts and the stores as you know, not only uh, an ability to sell and showcase locally grown cannabis, but also herbs and other plants. What are what are some other ways that you guys are able to give a platform for art and just local business as well through through your retail locations? Sure. Well, we are a vertically integrated company, so we do have our own family farm uh, hmm. that we do showcase at the stores. Our farm is called Suna Ra Acres. They're the Norse and Egyptian gods of the sun, Suna Ra acres and uh, we also have our own manufacturing company sun god medicinals and um, that's where we really make a whole bunch of products that blend the right um, phenotypes or cultivars of cannabis with other specific herbs for specific relief for consumers and we make tinctures and um, topicals uh, different smokables which we launched this year which is really fun and exciting um, but in the beginning, in the very, very beginning of the day, uh, beginning of the store, I also sold my farm fresh eggs and mm. our raw milk and other produce from other farmers. Uh, and then realized that that was just too much. I was just going to focus on medicinal herbs. So we do have like stained glass artists, um, soap makers, uh, different uh, t-shirt makers here from the valley and sticker makers, just different kinds of artists that are around, um, you know, cannabis and, you know, healthy living. Um, also really giving space to local practitioners to have business cards and help guide people to other um, health and wellness people in the valley. Because like I said, cannabis a lot of times is people starting the path of better understanding their body. And sometimes they need other guides outside of our uh, store folks. And with, um, you said these smokables, so you're talking about blending cannabis and other herbs into a smokable product. Yeah. What, what, can you break down what, what that looks like to me? 
Sure. Yeah. Suncoat Medicinals, we've been making herbal smoking blends for years. Um, we sell it as a one ounce package on our website, sungodmedicinals.com. And uh, we ship to all 50 states. But here in Oregon, Sun God Medicinals also has a cannabis license and we make products for Oregon dispensaries. And this last year, we introduced different blunts and pre-rolls with cannabis, live resin and keep along with herbs for sleep, smokable herbs for sleep or smokable herbs for anxiety and stress. Um, we also have smokable herbs for uh, transition, kind of really coming to center, like quitting smoking and other kind of things. So it's been really great to teach people that, yeah, you can smoke catnip and mullein and lavender and rose petals. And it can really, it's not just about the terpenes in the cannabis plant now, it's about all these other flavors and all these other medicinal qualities of these other smokable herbs. So. Um, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, but um, being able to get it in the blunt and have them be exactly the right potency and not poke through the papers, it was a fun trial process, but that's a fun product here in Oregon. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to, on another episode, we'll have to dive a little bit more into that because yeah. that is, uh, that is definitely interesting. I haven't, I have, I don't know if I've seen that or if I have, I, I haven't been put on game i may have seen it but i have not heard about anything like that so that is super unique um and a great way for you to blend kind of both worlds of you know cannabis within this world of plant medicine and herbs um what are some yeah. of the what are some of the herbs or plants that I, I don't necessarily want to give you on here like giving the general public advice but like what are some of the ones that you feel are kind of in alignment with the the everyday or regular use things that a lot of people could could benefit from taking uh, on, a, on a regular basis? I think right now we as a society are stressed out. We are going through a traumatic time as a society going through this pandemic together. I think that anxiety and stress is just crippling to everybody. We, we don't know what's happening. There's new variants, right? There's mm. people afraid of the common cold because they don't know is it COVID or not. I mean, there's just a lot of stress. So, you know, I think of passion flower and skullcap and chamomile as being really centering herbs um, mixed with, you know, just really nice calming, but not too sedating um, cannabis or strain, whether it be hemp or marijuana, um, which I know your listeners know hemp and marijuana are the legal names or with THC or without, but it's really all the cannabis plant. Um, being kind of high in um, linalool and pinene, um, I think that there's just some magical blends there that are just really balancing. And I think we need some balance right now as a society. <laughs> I think we need to believe in ourselves again and know that we can collectively get through this and, and just be strong together. So. Absolutely. And so beyond just coming down to one of your locations, where do you, and that, I mean, that's a fair, fair point as well, but where do you recommend people start their journey of like understanding what some of these natural, you know, elements and plants and herbs that can help impact their life? Where do you, where do you kind of recommend someone if they're curious about that, where do they start that journey at? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, my stores are located in Ashland and Gold Hill, Oregon, down in Southern Oregon. And, uh, you know, sungodmedicinals.com, we have herb education pages. People can click on there. Uh, a lot of transparency and trying to teach people about herbs and plants. So that's a good place to start. I personally just did a whole bunch of different podcasts. Um, 
Michael Moore's books, uh, Rosemary Gladstar books, uh, Susan Weed, amazing herbalists, modern herbalists that have some great information about different herbs and plants. And, and I would probably start there and, and just go on that journey of just diving in and trying to get some credible information. If you want to explore making your own plant medicine, Mountain Rose Herbs based out of Eugene, Oregon, great place to grab, buy different medicinal herbs if you want to start doing your own um, home medicine making and kind of diving down the path that I did. Awesome. Awesome. There's a great start for people. And so if you guys make sure you heard that, if you're in Southern Oregon, you got a location in Gold Hill and Ashland. Um, you said Sun God medicinals.com yeah sungodmedicinals.com is the name of our manufacturing you know our manufacturing company and breezebotanicals.com is to learn more information about our stores awesome awesome well i really appreciate you brie hopping on here today and talking a little bit i know i know we we're going to focus a little bit more on the store we broke a little bit on the manufacturing we're going to have you on here again to talk a little bit more about these herbs and blends you guys have been working on um, and kind of the origin on that. Cause that's a, I just think it's a, a little bit different conversation that I'm also excited to have. So we'll have Bree back here in the future. Was there anything else you, you'd like to plug or, or that people need to know about Bree's botanicals for the time being? I know we covered quite a bit of topics in a, in a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to thank you for having me and just, you know, your listeners and the people watching your show just re realize, you know, we are at a time of change and people are afraid and just living with integrity and just believing in what we're doing and what, no matter what it is that, right. But especially with cannabis is that um, we are good people. We're not bad people. Our friends and family are good people. We're not bad people because we embrace plant medicine and, you know, sharing that with people as you feel comfortable coming out of the closet and, um, you know, just not being afraid, but we need to affect change at the state and bureaucratic level. We need legalization at the federal level. Um, you know, the discrimination that we've faced in, um, you know, banking, safe banking, uh, had an employee's husband get turned down for a job because she worked for me. Um, it's, wow. you know, it's still a shame um, that we're doing it legally here in Oregon. We're out of the closet as a team, but our employees get turned down for housing or jobs or other things. So just everybody living with integrity and just voting with our dollars. And, you know, I think that that's important. Mic drop gave you gave you a gave you a moment to just sell, shamelessly plug the company and you're like talking about world peace and, and making it a better <laughs> earth. I love it. I love it, man. Well, you know, you just got to do what you believe in, and um, and that's what I've been doing. You know, is giving a platform and a place for people that need this to have a safe place to go, um, and to get quality products without pesticides or other fentanyl laced whatever off of the streets and, um really embracing a good quality product and fighting for that in your communities as well. It doesn't have to be bad or evil. It can be good and we can make it that way. Awesome. That is, that is beautifully spoken, beautifully spoken. So I really yeah. appreciate you coming on here today. Again, this is Bree Malarkey, founder and CEO of Bree's Botanicals, Sun God Medicinals. And what was the last company? I can't, I was, uh... yeah, I didn't name it with thinking it would be a brand way back in the day. Suna Ra Acre. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> So full-on, full-time entrepreneur, multiple verticals around plants and, and alternative medicine, health and wellness. Really appreciate you again hopping on here, Bree, um, on a Sunday. And we'll have you on here again. This is the North American Weed Tour Podcast, episode 61. We will catch you guys next time.